We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. This week I've been talking a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. And yesterday I mentioned C.S. Lewis's quote about first things, and how if you put second things first, you get neither the first or the second. On today's show I want to talk about how DEI is the poster child of reversing that order and how the solution to the problem has to be getting our priorities straight. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. Well, this is Friday morning, and I'd like to wrap up the week by talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion again, because that has been a focus of of, uh, my commentary for the last several days, as well as getting our priorities straight. First and second things. And the quote that I used in yesterday's show from C.S. Lewis on that very thing. Priorities. And Lewis's argument was, when you place second things first, you get neither the first nor the second. You forfeit both. But when you place first things first, you'll get those first things. And often the second things, the ancillary things, are thrown in for good measure. You get those things to boot. So that's today's show. And I'm going to talk about C.S. Lewis's quote. I'm going to give it to you in a more extensive fashion, not just the one sentence quote, but I'll give you the whole paragraph from his book, God in the Dock. And I'm also going to be putting that quote, Lewis's quote, in the context of the Gospel of Matthew and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he says that we must seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and that when we do, all these things will be added unto us. What does that mean? What is Lewis and what is Jesus saying when they reverse the order of things and say, wait a second, you all have this backwards. You're putting second things first and you're forfeiting everything as the result of doing this. You don't have your priorities straight. That's the topic of today's show. Now, before we take a break, remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion and help us continue this programming, continue this show, that you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. One more time, that's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. Also, remember to go to my website, that's dreverettpiper.com, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R, dreverettpiper.com. And on that website, you will see the menu bar. And in that menu bar, there are several, several, excuse me, several different tabs. There's a tab for scheduling me to speak at your church or your political event, your fundraiser or whatnot. There's a tab there to access my books, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, my first one, my national bestseller, This Is Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and then the sequel to Not a Daycare, which is Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. All three of these books focus on the importance and the priority, the first thing, if you will, getting back to today's topic, all three of my books focus on the first thing, the top priority of getting our worldview right. And if it is right, if you have the correct priorities, the second things will fall into place. 
Second things aren't necessarily bad, but if you get them in the wrong order, for example, DEI, diversity. Diversity isn't bad, but if it is your top thing, then you become divisive rather than unifying. Equity. Equity isn't necessarily bad, but if it trumps equality and that all people are equal, just some people are more equal than others, to quote Animal Farm and George Orwell, then you have forfeited everything. There's no equality left at the hands of equity. You get my point there? And if inclusion means that all who disagree with you should be excluded, then inclusion is a self-refuting claim. It's this nonsense of saying, I can't tolerate your intolerance, or I hate you hateful people, I'm sure that nothing is sure, and I know that nothing can be known. So you can access my three books, which make that point over and over again, over and over again. That's the context of my books by going to my website. And don't forget, you can also see where all of my articles for the Washington Times are archived there on that website too. So that's just part of what you can access by going to my website, DrEverPiper.com. Don't forget, we need your support. And the, way you, the way you can do that, the way you can extend that and offer your support is to, number one, join the rebellion by contributing to the rebellion via Patreon.com or copying and pasting a link to your favorite episodes of the rebellion and uh, getting those episodes out there on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we're going to talk about first and second things within the context of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the Rebellion. So, in a sense, today's show is an overview. But it's not just an overview in terms of repetition, which, as I've said before, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Repetition is not something that we should shy away from. And this is a teachable moment here. It's off topic a bit, but remember the anecdote, the axiom of repetition, repetition, repetition. What I've told you before, that there was a retired president, I think he was from Earlham College, and 
Indiana, but that really doesn't matter. But he was successful in his career. I believe he was president for nearly a quarter of a century, 20, 25 years. And when he retired, he was interviewed and somebody asked him, what's, what's the secret to success as a leader? What was the secret to your success as the president of a university for so many years? And he said, very simple, three things. Uh, people, I assume, expected him to go on and bloviate for a bit about his three priorities of leadership. But all he said was repetition, repetition, repetition. And what was his point? The point was very simple, that you have to stay on message, stay on task, say it once, say it twice, say it three times. And sooner or later, you'll learn it as well as the people that are listening to you. And also, there's the added benefit that you will believe it as well as the people who are listening to you. The things that we repeat over and over again, we learn, we understand them because we fine-tune our language, and we actually communicate better as we repeat them over and over again. And as we do so, not only are we leading those people that are listening to us to understand and to embrace those ideas, but you're also teaching yourself to understand and to even be more convicted about those ideas than you were when you started making the point in the first place. Repetition is good. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So anyway, within that context and within the context of some topics we've already discussed this week, let's go to my column from last week, last Sunday for the Washington Times. I've already described it to you here, but just briefly let me give you an overview. Last week, my column with the Washington Times basically was this. I wrote about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, and why this agenda, the DEI agenda, is broken. I argued that it was inconsistent and self-refuting. I argued that while the words diversity and equity and inclusion may sound good in the hands of progressive politicians and pedagogues, they actually lead to their polar opposites. One more time, those words sound good, but in the hands of progressives and politicians and pedagogues, teachers, the elite, the Pharisees of our time, the smarter than thou's, in the hands of these people, they've reversed the definitions of these good words to mean the exact opposite. So more to my point here, it's like Orwell's Animal Farm, where the pigs say all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. That's what's going on in the political establishment with regard to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity now means division. Equity means some are equal, but more equal than others. And inclusion demands that if you don't parrot what's popular, you're going to be excluded. So my question is, how in the world did we get here? How have we come to embrace such obvious lies? And I think the ample answer is simple. I think the answer is simple. We have our priorities backwards. And so again, let's go to C.S. Lewis's God in the Dock. Now, what does that mean? In British terms, that means the the chair, the dock that you stand in or you sit in when you're under trial. It's, it's the seat within the courtroom that you sit in, the person that's being tried, where you testify, okay, or where you defend yourself. That's the dock. So in God in the dock, God in the chair, God on trial, C.S. Lewis says this, you can't get second things by putting them first. You can get second things only by putting first things first. And then he went on. 
In this context, it is impossible not to inquire what our civilization has been putting first for the last 30 years. And the answer is plain. It has been putting itself first. Close quote, C.S. Lewis. And then he concluded, put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both the first and the second things. Now that's C.S. Lewis talking about first and second things. I'm going to read that quote again because I think it's so important to the show and so important to the understanding of everything we're talking about in terms of priorities. You can't get second things by putting them first. You can get second things only by putting first things first. In this context, it's impossible not to inquire what our civilization has been putting first for the last 30 years or so. And the answer, says Lewis, is plain. It has been our culture, okay? Our civilization has been putting itself first. And then he concludes, put first things first and you get second things thrown in. But put second things first and you're going to lose both, the first and the second things. So when he's talking about this, first and second things, Lewis is actually echoing the words of Jesus, um, who in his Sermon on the Mount said this, and you know these words, you've heard them before, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what's Jesus talking about? The message of Christ is clear here. If we make God's way, his way, his truth, and his life, if we make the kingdom of God first, then all the rest of the second things will fall into place and will be, quote, given to us as well. It's the issue of priorities. So context, let's get into context. Remember, context is king. I've said that a thousand times over on the show. You've always got to put things in context because taking them out of context results in lies rather than truth. So context is king. It has to be a first thing. All right, so Let's talk about context here. Context expands on the, tr- the truth of what Jesus and Lewis are saying even more. Because in the context of the Bible, the preceding verse just quoted from the Gospel of Matthew is a passage about storing up treasures in heaven. So when Jesus talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he just preceded that by saying that it's important to store up treasures in heaven. Jesus is saying that when we live for the eternal rather than temporal, this is the point. Jesus is saying that when we live for the eternal rather than the temporal, that we get not just the reward of eternal life to come, but we will also enjoy the best of the temporal life too. We'll get the first, but we'll also get the second. In other words, place all the secondary things in life in the context of the first And you're going to get not only the first, but also the second to boot. But if you reverse the order, and that's what I'm arguing that DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and everything else that's going on in our progressive culture right now, when you reverse the order, it all comes crumbling down. It all falls apart. Again, the point here is that priorities matter. Now, here's the thing. It's very clear that Jesus is not diminishing our temporal needs. Don't, don't even go there. Don't even think that. Proof to that? Look at his miracles. Many of his miracles, if not all of them, are examples of him providing for our temporal needs. He feeds people. He turns water into wine. He heals the blind and the lame and so on and so forth. He raises the dead. What's he providing for? The physical, the temporal. 
He feeds people. He feeds the 5,000. He walks on water. He rescues Peter from what? Temporal fear, drowning. The list goes on and on. Jesus' miracles address the temporal as much as the eternal, if not more so. Okay? But what do they point to? They point to the first thing. When Jesus feeds people, turns water to wine, and heals the blind and, and the lame, etc., he's not telling us to ignore these things, obviously. What he is telling us is to put them in their proper perspective. Jesus is speaking to priorities. He's telling us, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? That's a quote. First things first, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, first things first, second things second. So the path to God's provision for ourselves is to focus on the things that really matter rather than the things that really don't. First things first will bring the second. Second things never lead us to those things that are first. So our lives, your life and mine, consists of certain ambitions, dreams, goals. Okay, those aren't bad. Uh, Diversity, equity, inclusion, as our dreams, our ambitions, and our goals aren't necessarily bad, if properly defined. In preparing for life, let's just use the example of a career. We hope that we can work to provide our basic needs and accomplish our dreams. We want to build our homes and provide for our families. And we hopefully, hopefully are going to make a big difference in the world. Make it a better place. Leave the campsite better than when we found it, right? The path, however, for accomplishing all of this is summed up best with this simple axiom. It's from Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be added to you. Your career ambitions are second. Okay? They're not bad to provide for your family and to accomplish things in your job, your career. Your ambitions for your marriage aren't bad. Those are admirable goals. Your dreams, ambitions, the things you want to do. Your your social uh, values Alleviate poverty, stop human trafficking, whatever those values are. Serve the poor. Uh, Provide people with an opportunity to improve their lives. Uh, Teach children, teachers, for example. All these things are good. But if they become the first thing, and they therefore become gods in and of themselves, the tower tumbles. It comes tumbling down. Because you've got the order backwards. So again, the path for accomplishing all of these things is summed up best by the axiom from Christ himself. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So putting God first realizes these good things in an orderly way. In other words, you get these things, you realize these things, these good things in an orderly way. But reversing the order always leads to reversing the definitions. And that leads to disorder and dysfunction and chaos. When we live merely pragmatic and materialistic lives, which again, DEI is all about. It's about a Marxist worldview where the material is all that matters. The metaphysical doesn't. In fact, many Marxists, if not all real Marxists, deny the metaphysical, the eternal. It's all about the temporal. And the temporal trumps anything that has anything to do with a God any bigger than government, okay? 
So when we live merely pragmatic and materialistic lives apart from the eternal ideals and values specified by Jesus himself and implied by C.S. Lewis's quote, our foundation for life, for the building of life, is very weak, and it, it can't sustain us. And the more weight that life brings to bear on this foundation, the more likely it is to fall apart and fail. As the burdens of career and marriage and kids and family increase, the more likely it is that this weak foundation will fall apart. In fact, it's as predictable as the sunrise. It's the lesson of history. Every one of us, you and me, each of us needs to be a person of substance and not just a person of sustenance. What do I mean by that? The substance of your character and not just a person about sustenance, about the material. Your life needs to be about the metaphysical priorities, the eternal verities, truth with a capital T, not just lowercase truths of your personal opinions and constructs that are essentially uh, constructed out of a postmodern worldview that wants to satiate the self. And by that, I mean feeding the libido is the ultimate goal of life. And if the libido is being satisfied, satiated, whether it be through food or sex or anything else, then that's the ultimate good. That's the ultimate first thing. That's the ultimate goal. That's the summum bonum, to quote, to refer back to freshman level philosophy. The summum bonum is your ultimate good, the superior goal, the, the pinnacle of all of life. If your top priority, if that pinnacle is nothing but um, sustenance, to sustain you, to feed you, to gratify you, then you're really functioning as an animal, the Imago dog rather than the Imago Dei. But the Imago Dei, the image of God, is a person of substance, the substantial things that trump the things of sustenance. So some have said that our priorities are a reflection of our character, and I would agree with that. The things you put first are a reflection of who you are. Uh, it's a mirror to your soul, to your character, to the ultimate definition of who you are as a human being. So if this is so, I would argue it might be wise for us to stop and ask, if I have the wrong priorities, is it possible that I also have the wrong character? And that's why I have such difficulty with diversity, equity, and inclusion, because the priority of DEI is to judge people not by character, but by color by the way they look, the color of their skin, rather than the content of their character. I would argue that's the wrong priority, and therefore it's a reflection of the wrong character. I would argue that focusing on diversity rather than unity is a reflection of the wrong character, because it's ultimately divisive. It divides rather than unites. It blames other people. It looks out the window and says, hey, it's all their fault. It divides the 99% against the one. It divides men against women. It divides blacks against whites. It divides children against adults. It divides, it balkanizes. It creates these barriers and these divisions by saying, you're the problem. You people, you folks that look that way. Well, that's the way you always have been. It's the way you always will be. It also encourages covetousness, the breaking of one of the Ten Commandments. You've got more than me. You've got something that I like and I want. Therefore, I'm going to demand that the government intrude the masses 
the the the, the radical democracy of 50% plus one, take yours away and give it to me. That's what diversity is arguing. And then there's this issue of equity rather than equality. They use the word on purpose. And we've got Christian leaders by like Russell Moore and David French who are arguing that equity is a more biblical word than equality. Again, words matter. Definitions matter. Why are they buying the lie? Why are they drinking the Kool-Aid? Why are they now trying to convince the church that an argument for equality is unbiblical? That's actually what they're doing. And I, I can't explain it other than Russell Moore and David French just have fallen in love with the popularity of being in vogue, part of the uh, the current of what's popular. This is another quote of C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce, that he challenges the young scholar who was so intent on jump, jumping into the current of what was popular and just writing the kind of essays that got approval and won applause. That's from The Great Diver- Divorce, where Lewis is saying, don't do that. Don't put popularity above principle. And the only reason I can see for Russell Moore and David French going down this path, and it might be your pastor or your church or your college or your professor, you may be even tempted to do this within your own family. You want to be in the mainstream. You want to jump into the current, the stream, the flow of what is in vogue and what's popular. You don't want to be on the outside. You want to be part of the party. You want to be included on the invitation list of all the smart folks. Because if you argue against them, they think, or at least they're going to say to their friends, they're going to smirk and say, well, you just don't understand. You're not that smart. And you don't have the confidence to fight against that current. And we're also told by Chesterton, Lewis, and others that a dead thing can easily go downstream with the current. It takes a, a living Uh, a live and vibrant, healthy, strong thing, animal, person, uh, fish, to go upstream, to fight against the current, and to prove its worth. And that's true for you as well as it's true for me. It's true for the church. It's true for the ivory tower. It's true for any society that is truly free. So I'll repeat my last point here. If it is true that our priorities reflect our character, then it might be wise for us to stop and ask the question, if I have the wrong priorities, is it possible I have the wrong character? Think about that as we're debating issues like diversity, equity, and inclusion, LGBTQIA, the trans argument, the argument for tolerance, the argument for affirmation rather than confrontation, The argument for comfort and safety rather than freedom. The argument that dumbs down the definition of love to nothing but sex. Recognizing that, at least intuitively, I hope you recognize that we love a lot of people that we don't choose to have sex with. Think about this particular argument of first things first and second things second that I'm making. When you evaluate all of those things in in the daily debate, the cultural debate, the culture wars that we're engaged in. In conclusion, if I learned anything from being a university president for nearly two decades, from 2002 to 2019, if I learned anything, 
from being a university president during that time frame. It's the principle of first things and priorities. Education, good education, rather than indoctrination. Good education should be about promoting unity, not division, right? It's called a university and not a diversity for a reason. Why? Why don't we call our schools, our colleges, diversities rather than universities? Well, there's a reason. It's because we believe in unity. A classical education, a truly liberating education, should champion common cause and personal righteousness. Not self-righteousness and personal whims and fancies, right? A good education is about common cause and righteousness, not self-righteousness and disparate whims and fancies and fantasies that divide us. It's the university, not a diversity for a reason. Putting second things always results in exclusion rather than inclusion. And that's what we're doing with the whole argument of inclusion within DEI. We're excluding those people that we don't want to include. It's self-refuting. Like I've said a ton of times on this show, it's sawing off the branch upon which you sit. Prioritizing second things always results in segregation rather than integration. We're segregating society right now. We're becoming more racially balkanized since we elected Barack Obama. Why? Because we started worshiping at the altar of the God of DEI. As the congresswoman, or excuse me, the representative here in, in, in Oklahoma, State Representative Goodwin has said DEI stands for deity. DEI is a God. We've reversed the order. We don't have God as first. We've created our own God and placed it first and God as second. And as a result, we don't get anything. We lose everything. Prioritizing second things always results in exclusion rather than inclusion, segregation rather than integration. Second things always divide. They never unite. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Rebellion.